I wanted to just welcome you for being here today, and I want to thank the people that are here online and those that are here in person as we uh, celebrate today United Methodist Women and what it means to be here. In our series, we've been talking about God's promise, God being a promise-keeping and a promise-making God, the person that is there that is with us throughout all of our lives, and that God is the one that has made a covenant with each and every one of us. So I want to share with you a story that I know I've shared with United Methodist Women, but I have not shared with the entire congregation. And this is a lady that knew who she was and she knew that God had made so many promises to her and was faithful, and so therefore she wanted to be faithful to her church. Now, this woman, her name is Alta Mae Smith. Now, as you know by the name, she's probably a little bit older, and I want you to know that she answered what our church needed. See, I grew up in Sanger United Methodist Church, was a little small town, and we only had about 200 people in our whole uh, faith community. But out of that 200 people, we had about 50 youth kids, which is pretty amazing for a small church. And we had about 20 in the junior high, and we had about 30 in the high school group. But nobody wanted to be our youth leader. Nobody. I guess they thought we were kind of bad. But we didn't have money. We didn't have resources. We didn't have anything to do. And so this woman that was 75 years old, became our youth pastor and worked with us every Sunday. Now, if you are younger than 75, know that you can be a youth minister today, okay? So this is why they were calling us to do. So this woman was so faithful to all of us. She ended up working with us and creating things. She was way ahead of her time. Now, we didn't have Bible trivia, we didn't have all of those things, but she created games for us because she knew how important it was for us to know about our God, to teach us the promises of God, to teach us the scripture. So she created a baseball game, and we would put four chairs in a diamond shape, and if you wanted an easy question, you got a first base question. If you wanted a really hard question, she gave you a homeroom question. Most of us never made the home run because they were too hard for all of us, but we learned so much about our faith and who we were. She was so good about the Hebrew scriptures teaching us all those facts, and it made it our story, made it who we were. She also created, I'll never forget, go fish cards out of the books of the Bible to teach us what was the Old Testament, what was the New Testament, to help us learn that this was prophecy, this was the major prophets and the minor prophets and the gospels, and to learn all of those things. She actually would get us, we would have to pronounce it right, or you didn't get your card. Well, so she taught us those things, how to make it ours. Now, she worked with us for seven years, seven years. She was 82 years old when she retired from being our youth pastor. No curriculum, no one really helping her, but she did it. And you would think that our youth group would decline, but it didn't. By the time I graduated from high school, we had about 70 or 80 kids every Sunday morning and every Sunday night coming. It was amazing. I told you we only had 200 in the sanctuary. 80 kids there 
every Sunday night. And that's because this woman was so faithful to who she was and what God was asking her to do. And that is the story we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about five faithful women that saved Moses, that stood up against things, against all the odds. Now, I want to go back a little bit in Scripture today so that you know who Moses and the story, what it means. Because we have a new Pharaoh in town, and that's real important to know. Because first, we had Joseph, and he came to Egypt as someone that was loved. The people, the Israelites, were all loved and cherished people. But after 350 years, no one liked them anymore. And they wanted those people gone. They were the immigrants. They didn't want them in their communities or in their homes or anything with them. So what did the Pharaoh do? He made them slaves. And he thought, if I make them slaves, then maybe they will go away. Maybe they will die. But they didn't. So the new Pharaoh, our story starts in chapter 1, verse 15, and it is with the two faithful women, the midwives. You have Shifra and Pua. These two women stood up against Pharaoh. He asked them to kill all the babies when they were born. They are the ones that brought life. I still can't move. I want to go over here. Oh, is it working? Nope. Sorry. I've got to stay here. This is really hard for me to stay behind this pulpit. Anyway, um, so he wanted these women to do things that weren't their hearts. They couldn't do it. They just couldn't do it. So as our story goes on, these midwives were called in to Pharaoh. Think about being a woman that had no power, no control, no anything, but she was called in to Pharaoh. How would you feel? I would be terrified if I was called in to be talking to Pharaoh. They probably thought they were going to be killed because they didn't follow the orders that were given to them to do. But they were smart women. I love smart women. When he said, why are these babies still living? He, they fed into his fear. They fed into the fears that the Israelites were taking over. And so he says, well, you know, these Israelite women just have babies really fast. We can't get there in time. Now, women, as you know, I met this woman, most of us know that sometimes it just doesn't go really fast and that one woman and one is different than the other. But Pharaoh believed her. So Pharaoh said, okay, guys, we can't stop this. So Pharaoh even gets more and more scared. So he doesn't know what to do. And so he decides to make another edict. And this one is to throw those babies in the river, to throw them away like they had no value, that these people meant nothing. But I love what the scripture says, and it says, and because they respected God, God gave them a household of their own. That's verse 21. Sometimes we just skip that little verse. But that little verse showed that these women were given children. You might not realize in the ancient world, if you were a midwife, that meant you didn't have children. If you were, you were the ones that couldn't bear children, and that was a big deal because that's the value of women was just to bear children. So they were barren. 
They had no household, no families, no children, but God was faithful and had the promise and gave them a household filled with children. So he gave that to those women. Now the next main person in our story is the mother, Moses' mother. When I think about, she knew what was going on in this world. She knew what was going on and she finds herself pregnant with a baby that she loved and cherished and wanted to spend her, the rest of her life being a mother to. Can you imagine what her prayer might be? Mine would be, I hope I have a girl because I can't imagine giving birth to a child knowing it's probably gonna be killed. How gut-wrenching that time must have been for her to know that that's what it was. But she had the baby and she tried to hide it for three months. Have you ever had a child that's been quiet for three months? I haven't had a child quiet. My granddaughter, I promise you, was maybe a minute. I'm good. But for three months. But she did that because she was faithful and she knew the stories. And so when I think about the story and the promise that she grew up with, knowing about Isaac and Jacob and Abraham leading to this basket, it gave her the courage to do what she had to do next. She did what the Pharaoh said. She put him in the Nile. She did exactly what he said to do, but she made sure her baby was safe. So she got a basket and put tar on the bottom of it so it would float. So when she placed him in there, she was going, this is my promise making God that I have faith in that's going to keep my baby safe. She had that much faith to put her child in the Nile River. Now, we lose so much sometimes in Bible translations that I want you to realize there's only two times in the Old Testament that we hear the word tabah. Tabah is used twice. And we lose the translation because we translate it as ark, the one time it's used with Noah but it's only used one other time in the Old Testament and we translate it basket. So think of that story of the promise of the rainbow, which I know Lance preached about and the ark and what all that meant, that it was the same word. It's the covenant of God, the promise that he made to the people then and that's that same promise now that I'm gonna be with you because I'm a God that doesn't leave you. I'm a God that's going to be with you through all your tribulations, through all of what's going on in your life. I'm going to be there with you. And so the baby is put in the Nile River. So then our next hero, I call them heroes, is Miriam. She's probably eight years old, somewhere around in there. I don't know if I have any older siblings in the congregation today, but were you ever excited if you had a baby brother or baby sister being born? Well, if you're eight-year-old's little girls, you're probably pretty excited that you're gonna have another sibling. She probably helped take care of that child and loved it and tried to hide it, try to keep it quiet. So she was the one that was asked to go into the Nile River 
right with her baby brother. So she went and she hid in those reeds and she watched it, but she had courage and faith because she knew the stories also. So we have the Pharaoh's daughter starting to be bathed and she comes down there and she sees this little basket floating. She goes to it and she opens it up and takes out this baby boy. Well, the Pharaoh's daughter knew instantly that was a Jewish baby. That was a baby that wasn't supposed to live. That was a baby that her father had said, get rid of. They're not worth anything. We don't need them. They're immigrants. Go away. But she had compassion. God changed her heart, and she had that compassion and took that child in her arms. And from that moment on, she changed the course of history. She took that child and loved it. Well, if a baby's been floating down the river, what happens? It cries because it's hungry. Miriam, eight years old, strong enough, courageous enough to go up to that Pharaoh's daughter and say, do you need someone to nurse that baby? I know just the person. So she goes and gets her own mother to end up to nurse and to love that. Now in this time, know that she got to take that baby back home with her. Moses lived with its family for probably eight to 10 years, maybe even 12 years old. And during that time, Moses learned all of the scriptures, learned those Hebrew scriptures, learned about the covenant, learned about Abraham, knew that their God was a promise-keeping God. And that's what they did. That's amazing that God worked through those two mothers that loved this child. So then Moses, when he gets older, he goes back and lives with the Pharaohs. We go with the Pharaoh's daughter, and she takes him, and she loves him, and teaches him the way of the Egyptians, so that when God was calling him, they were able to be used, because these five women answered the call. These five people stepped out on faith and did that. So I want us to think just for a second about those five women. Who are you in the story? Who are you? Are you the midwife? Are you the one that is going to be strong enough to stand up against the powers of the world? Are you the ones that are going to fight for the innocence of children? Are those that are in our world that can't speak for themselves? Do you have that courage to do that? Maybe you're the mother. Maybe you are courageous enough to give birth to a child that you don't know what's going to happen because this world is not exactly what she dreamed it was going to be for her baby boy. But you're the mother that still had faith in God and that you were the one that ended up teaching them those promises. You were the mother that read the Bible stories to them. Maybe you're the grandmother or the aunt or the friend or maybe even the grandpa. You're the one that's going to teach our children about their faith. That you're the one that's going to change the world of things that happen because you're brave enough to share 
your faith story with our children. Maybe you're the sister and you're called to take care of all the brothers and sisters of this world. The brothers and sisters that are around you, the ones that are here in this congregation, are you here seeing the needy, reaching out to those, being able to take care of those? Sometimes in my life, I don't maybe identify with the women, but I identify with the Nile River. It's chaotic. I'm thrown into water that I don't even know what I'm doing sometimes. But if I let myself, I know that the God that has sustained us through all of time is still the God for me. That even in the middle of my chaos, he's going to provide exactly what I need. He's going to provide me a basket or an ark and make me safe. Because I know that God loves me and will sustain me through anything going on in my life, any turmoil, anything that's there, my God is with me, walking with me. Or am I the Pharaoh's daughter that she saw this child that most people would have thrown away, saw value and gave unconditional love to that child? because she took that child and took him up and loved him and treated him as her own. That's what God's asking us to do, to reach out to those children that maybe are the throwaway children of society. So this week, I want you to think about who you are. And I want you to think about where God's calling you and what God is asking you to do. And let me tell you, Alta Mae Smith changed my life. I wouldn't be here today without her because she answered and said yes. She also answered her faith and shared it with me for seven years. So I want you to really think about what plan God has for you today. Let us pray. Creator God, I want you to just open our hearts. Let us have the floodgates of your love pour over us because we know that you are with us and working with us and you are leading us in whatever path we have. I ask you to be with every person here today that they hear you and they're willing to say yes. They're, they're willing to open their hearts to change this world one person at a time. That's how we do it. One person at a time, we share the love of Jesus with them. And Lord, I give you thanks for all the many blessings you've given us. And I ask you to be with your people now as we pray your prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thy is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.